0: the cutter podcast i'm your host joseph Nardone, joined as always by jess reinhardt but today we have a special guest uh from hoop vision hq at hoop vision 68 jordan sperber jordan what is going on my friend
1: i'm doing well thank you guys for having me i appreciate it
0: oh no we appreciate it because you're going to bring me tons of listens and (laughs) i'm going to become famous after this before we get deep into your process and everything like that um me Jess and I want to know if a dinosaur a T-Rex specifically shot 100 free
1: throws <laughs> how many do you think it would make So T-Rexes are the ones known for having short arms is that right
0: Yes but they're known for not being good at dribbling That's that's the that's the usual <laughs> punchline is the dribble
2: The uh, the, the arm oh, okay, to floor right, right. length is is awfully high
1: I can't imagine that they'd be good free throw shooters. So uh, I'm going. I'm going. This would be lower than anyone on on my podcast. Like 16 out of 100, something
0: like that. <laughs> See, I'm going to say if T Rex isn't like brain dead, I'm going to say a hundred because the free throw line, even if their arms are short for a dinosaur, I imagine they could, it's like a layup, like it's a dunk every single time.
3: Mm, they
0: just true. lean forward and drop it in. I'm going to say a hundred out of a hundred. Hmm. Unless they have tiny brains, I, I'm not a dinosaur expert.
1: Yeah, I don't. I also don't know the dimensions of a T-Rex. Do we? Do we have that in research? I mean, I can Google it. I'm, I'm just assuming it's big <laughs> enough
0: to just lean forward and drop it into the bucket. Yeah,
1: I, get, I guess you're right.
0: Um, all right. Let's, Honestly, oh, go
2: I'm trying. I'm just trying to picture a, a T-Rex doing a free throw, and all that came to mind was like, could it actually hit their chin? Like, I feel like they're very top-heavy, like their head's over their arms. And then I imagine Alfred Payton getting an air ball because the ball hit his hair. Does anyone remember that happening? Because I do. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think we might have an Alfred Payton situation with the T-Rex.
0: Wow, just random <laughs> Alfred Payton slander on, uh, on a college basketball podcast. I'm
2: too deep into the next wall, man. It, yeah. it happens.
0: All right, Jordan, so let's get into it um your newsletter your videos i think everybody you don't really need an introduction most of the people that will be here listening to this now know who you are but for those that don't will you um very vaguely i'm gonna ask the question explain your process when you're going through making a video putting together the newsletter why you chose to do it this way
1: yeah uh i've talked about this a little bit um in in my newsletter actually but it's evolved over time so the, the idea for Hoop Vision in the beginning was, actually the very first idea that, that never really got off the ground was I was gonna pick one team each year and cover that team as like the internet's video coordinator, which was my previous job at New Mexico State. So I remember I talked to a few different people in college basketball media to try to get a feel for like which team would be best. Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, um, Kansas. Those were kind of the four that I was focusing on, um, and then I made the announcement that I was going to be doing whatever it was that, that I'm doing, and it 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 had a lot more general appeal than I had expected. Like kind of right away, um, and so by the time the season started, I had scraped that idea of doing one team, but I still, in my mind, was going to focus on the best teams, and I didn't really get into some of the more esoteric stuff until a few months in when i have and now i i I love it but my audience likes kind of nerdy niche stuff that isn't necessarily like when i first started Zion williamson which was some some someone that i was covering a lot um but instead it's the princeton offense uh that was that was the video that kind of opened my eyes because there wasn't a big team associated with that video um or or like a flashy entrance or clickbait uh but it was very well received and got a lot of attention uh, and so i've kind of rolled with that since then
0: so what you're saying is when you started john thompson the third was no longer coaching major college basketball
1: I don't understand that one. You, you he, ran, he, ran the,
0: he ran the Princeton offense for a
1: little oh, bit. Oh, yes. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, right. So, yeah, Georgetown would have been a, a, a good team. I'm trying to think of who was covered um, in that arc. It was like obviously Princeton themselves, uh, but Richmond and San Francisco and, and a bunch, you know, didn't have that one team that, uh, that could like carry some viewership. Uh, but I remember it was also very long. It was like a 30 minute video. And I, I, I marketed it at my marketing pitch was like, you must really like basketball if you watch this video. And it turns out there's more people that really like basketball than I thought. So (laughs) that's good.
0: So like your original idea was kind of be like, uh, to pull from NBA people like Bucks film school, Knicks film school, but for a college team, kind of.
1: Yeah. Uh i had i think i had just finished watching last chance you the the netflix documentary where they like switch football teams every year and i thought that was Mm -hmm. a cool idea this to switch teams and i envisioned it almost being like crowdfunded where i i don't i would do after the first year whatever fans wanted to pay me the most to do their team or something like that um uh but yeah, it, the difference between maybe like the Bucks film room or or something like that was it was going to be uh, quite a bit more like from an in from like having just worked for a team, like doing exactly what I was doing, like showing the software and the technology. And I've kind of gotten like away from that a little bit and more into just making uh, regular videos than than like tutorials that were like to get into coaching and stuff like that.
2: Since you uh, are kind of looking at a a group or, you know, opening yourself up to not just looking at one team, do you ever find yourself maybe like having to stop yourself from covering one team too much? Like, I mean, for me and Joe, it'd be like, oh, I'm looking at Max School's way too much. Or maybe Joe's looking at uh, Stony Brook way too much or something. Like, is is that ever an issue for you?
1: Yes. And it's (laughs) especially an issue... It's not just with a team, but sometimes with a topic. So I, I mm-hmm. my most recent video was on the Flex, and I've spent so long now thinking about the Flex and writing about it and making videos. I I have to remind myself that, like, my audience isn't in my head for the last <laughs> month. You know, like, they, it, it's not They're nearly not as overkill. They're not all about the
2: Flex. Yeah, exactly.
1: exactly. <laughs> um, and so, I, so some of that can be, like self-created you know i'm not sure that anyone's sitting there like writing writing down how many times i've tweeted about virginia which is the plant team that i I've, have covered a lot in the last three years um but it also makes it more fun to switch things up and you do never run out of of uh division one basketball teams because there's so many of them so that's nice
0: was it you or somebody i don't want to uh misquote you but in case it wasn't you did you declare the flex dead
1: <laughs> my title is the rise and fall of the flex offense so the fall part uh, that's what i was going for and when i started out the video um I, I, that was kind of gonna be the the premise and as i did more and more research there are some teams still running the flex just not like the way it was being run in 2005 uh so it's kind of semantics like th- this happens a lot with with basketball concepts and, and schemes is they're technically still running them, but it's been changed so much that like, I don't even know if you should still call it that thing. And it's uh, kind of like arbitrary as to whether it's dead or not, I guess.
0: Yeah. They just involve into something totally different. And then some people just attached the old name to it. We, uh, my high school ran the flex offense. And then when I saw that, I was like, Oh no, 20 years later, my offense is finally, uh, finally dead. Even though that guy's still coaching and definitely still running it. Um, <laughs> So going off a little bit what Jess was asking about about the uh, the process and, and worrying about focus and I think, what is your actual favorite subject like to cover? Is it the off like is it the offensive stuff? Is it like the system stuff specifically or or stuff within the system?
1: So uh, I do like the system stuff. my favorite videos that I've done, are the Flex is the most recent example, but there's a video on continuity ball screen which I've dubbed the most run play in the country. Um, the Princeton video that I mentioned, I've done one on Brad Underwoods spread offense. I, those are my favorite topics where it's it's a system that a lot of teams run, but I get to I get to look at a lot of uh, a, a, a lot of variations of it and try to make some like higher level points about, if you when you should run it when you shouldn't run it things like that uh i definitely they're not the most efficient videos to make so i, I go overboard with how much uh, for for the flex one i probably watched about 10 2002 maryland games from 2002 and about 10 boston college games from from 2006 and I probably only need to watch about two of them each from, you know, from like a re- being realistic about it. Um, but I, those types of deep dives are definitely my favorite to do.
0: Imagine how pos- uh, passionate you are about this, that you uh, purposely watched Boston College basketball.
1: I'm, I, I'm <laughs> it was kidding. the good old days. It was yeah. the good old days. All, all the way
0: back in 2000. Well, I mean, they were actually pretty good back then. So, like, it's not. they. Uh, that was the Jared Dudley team yes and craig smith Smith, yeah so they were kind of stacked i think they went. i'm I'm gonna go on a side tangent that's like the 28 win team i'm guessing
1: yeah so they in 2005 i think they went they started the season 20 and 0 maybe and then in 2006 they made the sweet 16. so those were their two best years Hmm.
0: jess did you want to ask the question about the um the thing
2: (laughs) well i just you know going you know you mentioned some of the, the videos you're looking at, I know most recently on your timeline, it's like Jim Calhoun's UConn teams, uh, mm-hmm. Maryland, I think it was Maryland running like the floppy cross. You're talking about the 2002 championship run. Like uh, maybe you do have these all stashed away in your brain and know where to look for yeah. all of these. And if that's <laughs> the case, I'm very impressed. If not though, like how do, you, how do you find those? How do you go about figuring out like where those were most run uh, all the yeah. way back then?
1: Yeah, so that th- those older games, those are all straight up YouTube, uh, mm-hmm. which for the most part, uh, like most national championship games are every year that I've looked for. I've, I've found on YouTube so far, uh, but yeah. I'm actually working on a, uh, a longer video that is going to be I'm, I'm going to do about two to three minutes of analysis on every national championship game since 2000 so it's going to be like a quick hitting well it's going to be probably about a 40 minute video but quickly talking about each game and kind of like the evolution of of college basketball and so as i'm working on that i'm seeing stuff and just tweeting trying to like kill two birds with one stone Uh, and i'm excited about that because on podcasts like these i get asked a ton of questions about how the game has changed and all of this and I don't, like, I was, in 2002, I was nine, you know, and, uh, and and it's, 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 I mostly answer those questions based on, like, the perception of, of how basketball was played in the early 2000s, like, I, it's not like I remember it, Um, so this has been pretty interesting, the, the, the most interesting team I've watched so far is 2001 Duke, they won it all that year, it was Shane Battier and Jay Williams and uh, duhan and boozer and uh they they had 100 more three-pointers made than the next highest team in the country that year. They they yeah. broke the NCAA record for three-pointers made and they're running like a lot of ball screens which at that time teams just did not run ball screens. And I don't I feel like that was a a historically unique team, like way ahead of its time and I didn't even know that to be honest with you before watching
0: no, that's good. Uh, it's funny you say that because I shit all over Coach K's. Again, I said this last, last podcast. It's funny me, some random guy in my office shitting on Coach K's coaching. But that <laughs> that Zion, RJ, Barrett, Cam Reddish team uh, with zero spacing, um, I thought he did a pretty poor job there. But I, he also just seemed like he was like go-out athlete everybody. everybody. Um, and that's like a non-educated person on the outside uh, – perspective of things like when you're when you're three when your point guard can't shoot from beyond seven feet it probably really hurts your ability to to draw plays and stuff like that but he I remember that 2001 team um and it did feel ahead of the time and that's I think the year or two before John Calipari started talking more to pro teams about running uh four out especially in transition to shoot a lot of three pointers because he was going to Revolution—it's funny to say it now because everybody shoots threes now, but back then he was going to revolutionize college basketball by running four out, uh, which he didn't do (laughs) for a very long time. Because then his next like recruiting classes were like Anthony Davis and uh, Michael Gilchrist and stuff like that. Um, Sorry for that weird side tangent. So now you're at the the newsletter is going great. Everybody loves you. So what is it like, <laughs> I, I mean, I love you. I was fortunate. I feel fortunate enough that I, I, I don't want to say I discovered you because it goes like Doster or Sam Vesey or somebody told me about you, but like, oh, you got to check this out. And I got to like jump on board early. Um, so now that like, you're like pretty big, like you're, you're bas- college basketball famous, I guess you could put it. Um, how do you deal with the expectations of subscribers or followers or whatever you want to call them when you're dealing with creating content?
1: Yeah. So this is another thing that I've been fairly transparent about in the newsletter. It's, uh, I guess a little, it, I deal with it a little bit by, by writing about it to an extent, you know, it's still a pretty technical and like uh, schematic <laughs> newsletter, Not, but every once in a while I'll talk about this uh, specifically content burnout. So, um, it's, for, for, it's a lot to, uh, I, the subscriber model um, is often thought of as this great thing to rid yourself of advertising, and to a certain extent, you don't need to have a ton of views or, or a huge audience to successfully monetize. It's the 1,000 true fans theory that I think Ben Thompson might be the guy who, who uh, came up with that. So you need 1,000 true fans, um, and you have a sustainable business. And that's true. I mean, uh, where I'm at, which is uh, pretty big for college basketball, but college basketball media is—it it tends to be kind of um, on the lower level of like the top sports. Um, it would be really hard for me to to make a full time living off of advertisements. I do a little bit of them, um, but the the subscription model is definitely more sustainable. But to your point, uh, it is very difficult to keep up the pace. um, And you just always feel like you're trying to justify that subscription uh, to to your audience to keep them going. Um, And from three years doing it now, uh, the original ideas don't come quite as easy either. Like the first year I had a million things I wanted, I just finished working and I had all this experience and a bunch of new ideas. Um, So it's been more within the last year of trying to pace myself a little bit and uh, um, using what I've learned in the last two or three years to, I I think the content is still better. It's just like ideas aren't always popping up every two seconds now, I guess.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to play off that a little bit. The idea thing, because I think you found a really good, I don't even want to call it a niche, right? Like people like the, two inside baseball stuff, but with college basketball, two inside college basketball, like the, the dirty details about systems and, and how stuff is ran and I think you've proven mm-hmm. that. So when you can say you're as a, a fan, I don't know if you could do it as a fan. I know I can't anymore like I can't watch college basketball as a fan anymore like I'm just too jaded, I don't know, whatever. But when you're watching Pretty much the e- same. When Pretty you're watching much. a game on ESPN or CBS or whatever, when you when you're listening to the broadcast, how do you intake the information they're giving you? Because you're so because you're so knowledgeable. The, the actual broadcast, yeah, the yeah, yeah. okay, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, well, if I'm working, a lot of times it's they're on mute. To be honest, <laughs> but I do watch uh, when I'm. You know, I, I watch a fair amount of stuff where I'm not like explicitly trying to create content off of it, and I'll have the broadcasters on for that. Um, actually. In 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 this uh in what I'm working on right now in these older games, unfortunately, it's all Billy Packer, who's not my favorite broadcaster in the world. But uh, I have been keeping it on because you learn uh, you he talks about like the regular season and it adds a little bit of context because I haven't watched 2001 Duke except for this one game. Um, so it, I, I have been listening. Um, I don't know. I think I tend to be like critical of, of broadcasters, which I know, it, I know it takes a lot of reps and, and skill um, very randomly, but this is uh, in my head right now, since I've been watching some of the playoffs. Mark Jones is a play-by-play guy. He uses the best terminology. Like he talks like a coach and I, I don't know. I've never seen anyone really. Shout him out for it on Twitter, but he's like way ahead in terms of uh, technical vocabulary, and I don't I don't think the viewer either. It's, I think it works really well. I like Mark Jones.
0: Is there anybody on the college basketball broadcast you do like? I know you said you already said you you have most of them muted, but do you ever listen to it? Like, I'm not gonna throw, I'm not gonna throw out examples of names. I don't want you to end up having to like feel like in a position to shit talk somebody. I can do that for you. Um, is there anybody like on the college basketball side you listen to them and go? Maybe not the best, but maybe like oh, at least they're trying to work in some some certain vernacular or certain gaming you know experience into the into the play calls.
1: The the first person that comes to mind um and he not only is he really good but like he he does his homework and research which is definitely important and i don't know that they all do that but it's fram for who i've had him on my podcast and like you can just tell going into the big 10 or big 12 season sorry he uh uh he's done his homework like he's put in put in hours to know the backgrounds of guys and obviously he's very good with x's and o's um yeah uh i think that jay billis is generally pretty good too x's and o's wise um you know he he'll he mentions like the same things over and over again but he's accurate in 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 what he does um those (laughs) those two guys come to mind raftery is is the funniest one because he knows what's going on on the court, but he just uses random words to describe <laughs> what it is. Like he calls like screens, bumps all random. Like I've never heard anyone call a screen a bump, but he's like, yeah, he just, he, he's got like his own little language going. That is, it's kind of fun. I mean, I still like him.
0: My <laughs> newsletters are already called bump the cutter. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a term I've heard through. for defense.
1: For right. Defense. Right. But still yeah, yeah. I've
0: heard the term, well, obviously the opposite side. Um, where would you rank Dick Vitale Then your top five? <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding I won't make you answer that Please, yeah.
2: Joe is going to go I've, on a 20 minute rant about Dick Vitale Careful
1: <laughs> I've thought about uh, Like doing a video A YouTube video that analyzes The announcers And I don't know how that would be received It might come off as like conceited on my end So I don't think I'm going to do it But I've thought about
0: it I've done this, it's been 12 years or four, However long I've been doing college basketball Where every once in a while I'll do this thing on Vitale where I say he's a net negative for college basketball or whatever. But, like, I still try to give him credit for helping the sport at the same time because there was a time when he had value and all this other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I do – I know I understand what you're saying. Because like when you're being critical of somebody, one, we're, you're, we're also – I'm also me. I don't want to say we because you're not doing it. I'm unaware of what outside influences he has in terms of what ESPN's asking him to do or et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it's really easy for me to be like, oh, Dick Vitale, you're just a
1: cheerleader and – Blah 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 blah. Um, I, I, I I oh go ahead. I, oh sorry. I feel that way about refs. I I don't know if you've ever tried to ref before, but I, I hated it and was horrible at it. So I just don't criticize refs, and I feel like if we. Trying to do play-by-play, play, it might be a similar situation, you know.
0: <laughs> I, I uh, umpired minor league baseball for one season, and it was the worst thing in the history of the world. Getting yelled at by like ten-year-old <laughs> parents, and I was doing it for free as a favor to the township, and it was horrible. So yeah, I understand what you mean. Um, let's pivot off the the way you cover things. I want to know, as uh, somebody that doesn't f- follow it the way you do, who do you think? If you want to do either program or coaches, who do you think of Mm -hmm. programs coaches have a really interesting, fun slash entertaining system happening right now in college basketball?
1: Yeah, so of the teams that I covered pretty heavily this year, the first one that comes to mind is Loyola Chicago, I guess now Oklahoma with with Porter, Porter Moser, I guess. It kind of depends on your definition of entertaining because they are a little Virginia-like, his teams, uh, where they're, they're pretty slow-paced um, and like detail-oriented. I think that the coaches tend to uh, appreciate that style of play a lot. Um, what they were doing this year with Krutwig, they were kind of playing like NBA teams do with their big men, uh, using Krutwig out at the top of the key. Um, and then defensively they're like uh, they fall in line with analytics in the sense that they're trying to take away threes and not help over help which a lot of uh, college defenses do over help Um, then in the the, my go-to coach for this question for the last several years has been uh, Mark Pope who we when I was at New Mexico State we played against them when when he was at Utah Valley now he's the head coach at BYU. And I think that he is one of the best offensive coaches in college basketball. They've actually switched what they've done depending on their personnel at BYU, but their system at Utah Valley was just a nightmare to, to scout against it. It was not fun.
0: <laughs> it's interesting to say Mark Pope because I feel like I, I'm an, so I'm, maybe this is a regional bias. thing. Like, I don't feel like his name comes up very often. Um, the way of when the people talk about geniuses or because he's a real like i think he's what 48 years old he's only been a head coach since 2015 so uh is he somebody you see i'm now i'm gonna ask you to do something that you don't really do in your in your mm-hmm. line but like is he somebody like in a year or two where people are gonna be like he's gonna be the next hot coach yeah, or am I, or am he, I, I might, I, I, I want to preface it by saying I might be reading the rumor. Maybe he already is there and I'm just unaware of it, but I, I don't really hear his name uh, spoken about that often.
1: Yeah. I think that his name has been coming up more and more. Um, he also, he played at Kentucky. So, you know, he, he always has that like, and he played in the NBA. Um, so he's a somewhat hot name. BYU is kind of a weird place um just because they're so unique and they're recruiting um but yeah I, I he's been the one that i've uh, been proud of myself for when three years ago gibson piper and i who's half court hoops on twitter we we drafted 10 coaches we alternated you know our 10 favorite coaches and i mostly took mark he was at utah valley at the time i mostly took him just to like make the podcast more interesting (laughs) you know like um but it's worked it's panned out pretty well for me that that, that well listen
0: i'm a little concerned about him because i listen i follow a lot of college basketball media on twitter obviously and i'm told transferring is awful and he transferred in college, so I am a little concerned about oh, him, about I his loyalty. And yeah, he started off at Washington, so I'm a little bit concerned about his loyalty, loyalty, toughness, <laughs> and all these other things that you know very old people on Twitter say. Um, who were, who was that coach when you were at New Mexico State? Was so most- I worked
1: for, I worked for Paul Weir for one year and then Chris Jans for a year as well. Oh, I don't want to put you in this pause and ask you which one's better, but I won't do that. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I won't. I won't pick. I won't pick. <laughs> no, it's
0: like pick between your kids, except they're your former employers. <laughs> <laughs> former bosses. Oh, yeah. your former bosses. Yeah. Who's who's a? You don't have to say. Uh, I don't know to, I don't know how to phrase this. Least entertaining is uh, it, because it's such a subjective thing. What systems? Who runs a system that you just don't like? I know you mentioned before about the rise and fall of the flex. Do you ever look at a system now being ran and be like, I don't know why this is happening? in modern basketball or however you want to uh, phrase it
1: well you talked about duke and coach k recently i don't i mean i'm not sure that their system is like a huge negative by any means but i can tell you from a analysis standpoint it's boring you know just from like trying to find interesting things to cover and or, or or whatever it's uh, I barely, barely watched Duke this year because they were down and they, you know, it, the combination of them being down and, and the system in general, even defensively, uh, they've always been known for pressure and denial and they, they definitely have gotten away from that some in their one and done era and they've had success. Like, don't get me wrong. the um. They won the national championship with julio okafor and the even the bagley team was really good um but they're just not the most exciting thing co- for content i guess
0: i remember this is gonna be a, a, a old pull i think it was john cheney that said something like depending on how good your roster is sometimes you don't really have to coach like and again yeah. depending on the team you're playing as well he meant it in terms relative to temple at the time in like the, the 90s or whatever it was um, but that was something that always stuck with maybe sometimes like before I was kind of bashing K. But also I get it. Like you have all these guys that are allegedly the very best players in the world that are already NBA players. Like you really shouldn't have to do too, too much. You, you almost want to stay out of the way and not micromanage, um, which is kind of the stuff <clears throat> where dopes like me will get mad at, not mad at, will complain about Tony Bennett for like, you know, running that style of offense. Even though it's super efficient and his job is to win games. But while I'm watching it, I'm like, all right, could you just let the kids play and not run 15 seconds of unearned offense to set up the actual play? Um, mm-hmm. That's just a stupid pet peeve of mine. Um, how often do you focus on defense?
1: I I usually go in streaks a little bit, but I will say I've, I've covered, like, Almost every main defensive scheme, uh, and so now when I'm when I'm going into defense, actually I would I shouldn't say that I haven't done a ton with zone, um, but every every man-to-man um, like the, the, of the major styles I've covered them, um, which doesn't mean that I don't update things. But for example, uh, Baylor they they switched to Texas Tech style of no middle defense the last not this year but or two years ago. And I made a video, or I had done. I had covered Texas Tech the year before, then I covered Baylor last year, and I never really did a, a defensive video for them um, because it just felt like a uh, kind of overkill. They're they they're doing the same stuff. Whereas offense, there is more than there, there's a, there's more out there. Um, but I think that. Uh, my my defensive videos do still tend to be viewed pretty well. That that Baylor video that I did is one of the most popular ones on my YouTube channel. I think it has like 250,000 views or something like
0: that. Yeah, so. don't do any zone stuff. Zones are for cowards. Everybody knows that. <laughs> the Bomani Jones saying. Um, I, even though I mentioned John Cheney and he's like one of my favorite coaches ever, and he infamously ran the 2-3.
1: Um and okay. by the way, he 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 strikes me. I, I would have to go back and watch a little bit, but just knowing how his teams were statistically, like he he was a he overcoached. If anything, he was not a guy that undercoached. You no, know, like. I can't.
0: Josh, you you might remember his name, Pepe. What was his name, Pepe Sanchez? The two guard towards the end of the. I'm not gonna. I, I'm gonna. I was trying for to make who? for Temple at the end of the John Chaney oh, era. I don't he made this dude no. who wasn't an NBA player. It gave him, like, an eight-year NBA career by overcoaching. Yeah, John Chaney was a very, very aggressive overcoacher. And I used to – I just complain about Tony Bennett. But I was also, like, a kid when John Chaney was around. But sure. I love John Chaney because he was, like, fought, like pro wrestling in college sports. You know what I mean? Like, he had a big personality and he was yeah, – like, Yeah, yeah, He wasn't the afraid Calipari of – The
1: Calipari thing. Oh, I love, thing. I
0: love it. Yeah, I, yeah, I think about that yeah. all. Eddie Jones changed the landscape of college basketball forever by not letting John Chaney
1: murder murder John Calipari. <laughs> it would have.
0: Could you like college basketball be so different without him? Um, just what, what by, else?
1: By the way, uh, Chaney, Chaney is on has been on my list as someone that would be interesting to make a video about. I I don't know exactly what it would be, but he, because he was so unique, I, I have thought about that. So.
0: There's your two three zone one?
1: Yeah, yeah, two three zone And like his teams never turned the ball over. He's got all these funny quotes about like. <laughs> turnovers are worth worse than death and like things like that. So, yeah. My
0: high school coaches used to go to his camps like when they were young coaches, so they used all his philosophies and their their the only thing they didn't gotcha. do is they were man ball defense guys. They didn't believe in the yep. zone. Um yep. but other than that, they ever all John chaney's like mental thoughts were all sprinkled within their basketball programs and they'd pull out a quote and I'd be like, what is this quote? And then you'd, you, know, <laughs> yes, there was the internet back then. Like I'm not that old, but like I didn't have a computer. So like eventually like I was like, oh, what did my coach say when I was like 17 years old? It would be like, oh, that was just, they just ripped off John Chaney.
1: <laughs> I, I tweeted this quote uh, a, a long time ago, but the John Tw- Chaney quote is, our creed is no turnovers. We live by that. I don't holler at them for a lot of things. A team may out-rebound us or out-shoot us, but when you give that ball away, there is no greater sin. That's, that's a giant- no, Literally no greater sin <laughs> than turning the ball over.
0: Taking them Co- to church. Oh, is the best. That's
2: incredible. I do have to shout out one of your tweets uh, from- the off season that I think is my favorite tweet of yours. And it doesn't have a single basketball play in it. Ooh, Can, do, do you know what I'm it? talking It's the, um, there is a right way to play basketball. I was Oh dying.
1: yes, yes, yes. I <laughs> literally watched it like
2: five times and laughed hysterically for about 10 straight minutes. For anyone who hasn't seen it, basically every coach that was hired this off season let the fans and media know that they will be playing basketball the right way. And I just <laughs> lost it. I was dying.
1: Yeah, those, so I think. Jordan, is there a best, right way
2: to play basketball? It's
1: fast. You gotta play fast. You gotta play <laughs> gotta fast. Gotta play
2: fast. Yeah.
1: Gotta play fast and gotta have culture and gotta <laughs> do it the right way. Those, those, oh, that was are. that was the
2: other thing. The uh, the comparison of Porter's uh, press conferences from getting hired at Loyola Chicago and then at Oklahoma it was oh, like yeah. zero mentions of culture and <laughs> 20 mentions of culture
1: <laughs> I was surprised about that I mean he must have like started I don't know I don't know I, I figure that coaches have always been talking about culture but he literally said it zero times in, just 10 years ago in a press conference so I don't know I guess that is a, a new part of the vernacular or something I don't know, I was surprised
0: well listen I so I've talked to a lot of coaches and I haven't been like inside rooms like you have but like I tend to believe that they earnestly believe that like I remember when Jamie Dixon took the TCU job and I uh interviewed him for a story that summer like a, like a month after he took the TCU gig and the very like in TCU was awful for years like awful just a horrible basketball program and nobody cared about them it never seemed like they were to crawl out of the depths of the Big 12 and we're you're doing the feature on him you're talking about what happened at the end of pit and then you know about him taking the tcu gig and there was the obvious connection of the fact that he played there but like why would you go there otherwise like you know because it's not like an attractive mm-hmm. job in terms of it's you're starting from scratch basically is the way i viewed it and he just said oh i'll, I'll he, but he said it in a way that made it seem like it's easy and he's like all i have to do is change the culture and I'm just like, what does that even mean? I, 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 I waited till the interview was over, and I can't, obviously, I can't say what he's told me back because I asked him off the record. But I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> does that just mean recruit better? Because that's what I feel like the answer is. Like, not the cult, like, unless you're doing like a, oh, your kids are staying four years, small program. I get the culture references there, uh, the idea of them at least. But like, if you're going to Duke, like, John Shire is going to be the new head coach of Duke, he doesn't need to change the culture. He just needs to bring in five star fucking recruits. Is that what they mean?
1: Well, that's that's the the part that I find funny. It, you don't really know what they mean. It it it's like a catch all term for everything, essentially. I don't think but,
2: they know what they mean.
1: Yeah, I, and <laughs> i've I've heard I've heard coaches say it's it's your habits. Like culture is what you do every day. It's your habits. And then I've also I, I think from the culture video I did, I think it was Billy Lang. He says, "Culture is people." <laughs> he says, you know, like so. It's it's the it's the character of the people that you recruit and stuff like. I mean, the some the some of the things that they mean by it, or, or maybe all of the things they mean by it, are important. But it's similar to the right way. It's like if everyone's doing it the right way, then there's no competitive advantage, there, like, you know? <laughs> so, And also, just the just the implication that. Th- that we're gonna do it the right way seems to imply that others are not meanwhile everyone's saying they are you know so it's like the it's a whole circular logic thing <laughs> but it's also
0: shit like not and they're definitely not doing it on purpose but shitting all over the previous coach do you know what i mean true, we're gonna change true. the culture that other coach could have been super successful if you're saying you're changing the culture uh <laughs> fran uh you know, those friend-targeted screens teams, they didn't really need the culture or doing it the right way. They did just fine for a couple of years. Uh, I, I, I know what they... Like, originally, I know what they meant. They meant, like, hey, we're going to get good people in here. It's it's just like a term that t- to win press conferences or however you want to say it. Because a bunch yeah. of, like, old boosters want to pretend that their programs are ran great and everybody gets good grades and everybody's good kids. And for the most part, they're all good kids. Just, they, don't, they just don't care the way that Some college basketball fans care, in a certain way. Whatever, I don't want to speak on behalf of them.
1: Um, So what else? Oh, go ahead. My 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 other uh, take on culture is that I think that winning leads to good culture just as much as good culture leads to winning. So like a dysfunctional team is fine as long as you're winning. But when you start losing, then you know. I, I we didn't call it culture when I played high school basketball. I think we called it like chemistry. And I always felt that way, even as a player. Like you get along better with your teammates when you're winning. Like winning solves a lot of problems. And I think that coaches think of it the other way around. And I'm not so sure about.
0: No, that. No, I agree with you because I was I uh, thought about this when Brett, the whole Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge thing happened. And I like however many years ago when he took the Boston Celtics job. I'm like people are gonna love him in the beginning. And by nature of NBA jobs, at some point they're gonna, everybody's gonna say he stinks, right? Because it, it's just mm-hmm. unless you. Ha- It's impossible to have super sustained success at that level because the roster turnover, blah, 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 blah. And I felt like that's exactly what happened in the beginning. He was a genius. He maxed out his players, culture, all these things. And then towards the tail end, it was like, oh, he's not putting this guy in the best position, da, da, da. And I feel like that's kind of to your point, like a different way of viewing your point. But yeah, everything's, when everything's going good, meaning winning, that's like almost the only way you could view these things is wins and losses. Um, unless there's like something else happening with the program that's like super nefarious, but that's a whole different subject. Um, is is the culture good? Well, what's the record? Are they 25 and seven? Then yes, then the culture is great. And then if they're like 12 and 18, then no, the culture is not that good. Because nobody goes like when DePaul's really bad, which is almost all the time. Nobody <laughs> goes like whoever, whatever when Oliver Purnell was there and they won like two games in the Big East. Nobody was going oh, they only won two, big, two games of the Big East this year, but the culture's good. Do you know what I mean? It'd be like, oh, yep. they don't spend money on their basketball program. They don't do this. They don't do that. Right. Uh, uh, Jess, what else do we got for our young friend Jordan? Um, Jordan, I can't believe how young you are, by the way. I'm kind of pissed about this. <laughs> you were nine in 2002?
1: Yeah, I'm, I just turned 28 now, which, I, I mean... Someone made a good point to me the other day. Every You're the oldest you've ever been today. So, like, everyone always feels older than they are. But, like, I'm at the point where, like, what, I don't understand what 15-year-olds are doing. You know, stuff like that. Like, TikTok and stuff like that.
0: I have a decade on you. In 2002, I was done with high school. I cannot believe. Like, I am. My heart just broke in a million pieces. Because you're so much smarter about college basketball things than me, too. <laughs> However, I can say I have a good grasp on 12-year-olds because I have a 12-year-old. Oh, po- nice. Nice. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um,
2: i know we kind of shitted on uh top 20 or two early top 25 teams joe but jordan i'm just curious not necessarily who you think is going to be like the number one team next year but who are you most excited to watch i guess next year whether Ooh. it's because they've had success already and they're adding to it or maybe they got new guys coming in
1: uh-huh. and do you pay well,
2: attention a lot to like recruiting and stuff of like who I they s- have coming in
1: yeah, I I do not. I don't really cover it at all. I some I've covered like the analytics behind transfers in the past, I, mm-hmm. like how how transfers perform going up a level, but high school recruiting, not at all. It's actually kind of funny. Um, it's like pretty popular among high school and college age kids to, to like they all know who Jalen Green is and um, like the G League guys, and I think mm-hmm. I think we underrate how much kids like watching kids their age um but yeah it's why it's why
0: overtime elite probably going to be exactly successful
1: exactly yeah i saw i think it was mike decorsi talking about how jalen green um was how how big the NCAA tournament was for Suggs and Cade Cunningham, and if you look at the Instagram numbers, I think Jalen Green has more followers on Instagram than like every co- uh, college freshman combined. He's got like a million. Um, yeah. but that was a big digression. Uh, what was the question? No, no, it's all right because no, that, no, that's, 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 that's very <laughs> much that's very much our
0: brand of what we usually talk about is oh, that yeah. stuff. And for me, I always it's very hard He's like all right i'm 38 years old it's very hard to take how i view things out of the equation He's like you mentioned before young people mm-hmm. um i don't know what a 16 year old's viewing habits is are do you know what i mean like i just re true detective season one for the 50th time um they're probably not doing that they're probably watching stuff on youtube and twitch and all these other things and i can't name seven things on any of those stuff um so i do think that's like and I like to course he a lot. Like he's always been fr- very friendly to me, but I do think he has a habit and I've done it myself. Like I think everybody's kind of guilty to it to some degree of putting their own personal viewpoints into stuff. That's we're no longer the demographic. Like I'm not the demographic for overtime elite. Do you know what I mean? Like that's for a 60 year old. Mm-hmm. And, um but all those arguments about for NBA draft stuff, at least as if, it matters, like if an NBA scout's gonna find out if you're good. Like it doesn't matter if you went to Gonzaga or the Ignite team or the NBL or you know what I mean. Like they're they're just because you went to one of instead of the other, they're not gonna just be like, oh, he went to the NBL, so I'm no longer going to scout him. Do you know what I mean? Like if he's that big of a prospect, I think that's an absurd viewpoint to be like, oh, this is why college basketball is so much better for these guys than these other options. Uh, because and, of exposure, I know if ease of access matters to fans, but not to mm. NBA scouts. Like the guy's just in California playing basketball; it's not like he's across the world.
1: And you know, let's say that there is a ease of access problem. That's not it's that could be a good thing or a bad thing for a pro, for a prospect's chances. Like you could you could be over over ranked, you know, or underranked Either way, so like if Kwame Brown goes to college, he probably doesn't go as high, <laughs> you know? Oh, you like get it,
0: exposed, it, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's, it, I don't think there's like a systemic issue of, of uh, actually there probably used to be with European players, they were undervalued, but that was like a stigma about them. And I, if anything, it's probably overcorrected or, or maybe it's an efficient market at this point. Um, but yeah, uh, and then, I mean, also, you need to make sure you're going to the right program within college basketball where they'll use your skill set the right way. Like, you know, we, we, have talked a lot about Virginia's style. There are certain Kyle guy and Ty Jerome were perfect for it. Now they're in the NBA. There are, there's a, definitely a group of players that should not go to Virginia would not be great you know, uh, for their, uh, for their, how they would be used to, to, uh, show off as or, an NBA or
0: president. developed. Um, I used to make this argument all the time with Tom Izzo, who I think, he does his job is to win college basketball games uh i didn't think he always did the best job of putting his players in positions to showcase their talents maybe but that's not his job you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so his job's to run his like whatever system he's running that year to utilize whoever's on the all five guys on the floor the best i think of the jared jackson junior uh year the most when i think about that where i feel like he never really put him in his best spots but he put him in the best spots for the team which aren't always the same thing at that level when that guy's that much better than everybody else um but yeah i think that's a really good point because you know i think that's why the g league or nbl or overtime elite or pcl whatever all these other leagues are i think that's why they're viable options because some of these kids one college isn't for everybody two there's also this you know a path to the pros doesn't have to shouldn't have to run through one place if preferably because otherwise it's a monopoly and uh, I, I'm told this country is capitalistic, so I don't know why we're <laughs> a pro monopoly when it comes to these things.
1: To go back to the, the like kids and their consumption habits, I, I coached a, like an 15 year old AAU team a few years ago, and now those kids are in college and they'll, they know more about high school recruiting than I do you know I'm like supposed to be the college basketball effort expert sorry and they they know the top five guys going to Duke and you know and that's what they care about it's like the the kids their age and YouTube has has changed that a lot um and yeah I I, I think that is why I don't know if it's going to be overtime elite is the one that's going to work but I do think that something's going to work eventually
0: I have follow-up questions what kind of coach for you
1: what do you mean? Oh, oh were, like, you, were you an style.
0: asshole? Were you a players coach? Were you, <laughs> were you, were you mixing it up? Yeah, yeah, were you yeah, still yeah. quotes from yes, John yeah. Wooden?
1: <laughs> oh man. Uh, so, it's, so this was before I had ever worked in college basketball. And I mean, I was still like, I was as into it and nerdy as I was back then, but without a frame of reference for like how <laughs> elite college or elite basketball works. Um, but yeah i was pretty reserved i i'm I, I think that coaches stand up too much like just sit down on the bench you know <laughs> um, uh i did get one technical foul for for arguing with the ref which as i said i i uh i'm not one who's very critical of of the ref or of of officials in general um but i kind of just like softly uh had like made some sarcastic comment and got one technical foul and the parents loved it you know because i wasn't one to like raise my voice a lot so all the parents loved that i got that t
0: so that's good know. that is very good i had I a true story jack crosby from cbs could verify it i as a senior in high school i had 13 technical fouls
1: wow yeah i, I had a, a lot. one i was a dirty
0: player because I'm, i was a six foot center um do you remember jerry mcnamara Yes. Yeah, so I played in the same league as him in high school. They had a 6'10 center. I'm six feet tall. Uh, he tried to dunk on me, so I just punched him in the, <laughs> I punched him in the nuts. Because I, I didn't <laughs> want to get... Well, the thing, all he had to do was turn around and just dunk on I'm six feet tall. He's 6'10, this guy. Uh, Brad Felicia was is his name. I was going to say was, like he's dead. Is his name. I think he played Division two basketball somewhere or whatever. Uh, yeah, he was just going to post up and dunk on me like it was Shaq over some random NBA scrub. So I just punched him in the nuts.
1: Well, I think that does deserve a T. But. Yeah, I only got one. I didn't even get
0: kicked out of the game. And the best part is he would, that dude was super mad and he was complaining about the ref. Like, I should I honestly, in hindsight, I should have been thrown out of the game. And he was complaining to the ref, but I just looked at the ref, I'm like, I'm six feet tall. What am I supposed to do? And the ref kind of shrugged his shoulders at the six foot ten guy he goes, Yeah, he's got a point. What else was he supposed to do?
1: <laughs> All right,
0: Jordan, I think we had up enough of your time. Let's plug you not plug you let's plug your work and then get you out of here um jordan tell everybody where they can find you all the social all the newsletter information and all the other good stuff
1: yep i am at hoop vision 68 on twitter and also youtube as well um but i pretty much tweet about any newsletter or pile i'll tweet this podcast out anything i do i put on the uh, on the Twitter account and um, the website to sign up for the newsletter is hoopvisionhq.com
0: Jess why do you need to tell the fine people where they can find you at?
2: Uh, You can always find me at jron44 also make sure you're following the Knicks wall our draft coverage is steadily coming out as we're uh, full steam ahead into the draft and uh, yeah Joe we gotta get you on draft season one time
0: yes I need to go there and yell at the kid that I always forget his name um, and I never agree with this draft <laughs> takes um, Just follow me on Twitter At Joseph Cardone. Obviously if you're listening to this you're pro- Well now not Because a lot of Jordan's people will be here Subscribe to my fucking newsletter please It's free <laughs> And uh, we appreciate you listening it And uh, we'll see you next time